Listen. Just listen. I'm Shannon Sullivan, and this is the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theatre Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music. A collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, recorded at last year's New Year's celebration, Second Story Company member Kim Morris. great dance. I was standing next to Andrew, our shoulders touching, both of us facing the dance floor. The dance was in the gym at school. It was 1984, we were 14, and this was the most important social event of the year. Andrew and I were maybe kind of sort of start going to go out. I knew this because Kelly, one of my best friends, told me. Kelly was going to maybe kind of sort of start going out with Mark, Andrew's best friend. Already, Kelly and Mark were on the dance floor, their hands on each other's shoulders, hesitantly stepping from left to right. (laughs) Kelly had on her best outfit, black leggings and an oversized blazer. Her shoulder pads were so tall, they hit her ears. I looked over at Deanna, my other best friend. She was dancing with Scott. Deanna was wearing Paisley everything and fingerless gloves because she loved Prince and Madonna. Deanna and Scott weren't maybe kinda sorta going out. They were totally going out. Everyone knew that because they shared a locker. Going out with someone, even maybe kinda sorta going out, was more important than Prince and Madonna combined. I smushed my lips together. That day at the mall, I bought my first kissing stick lip gloss. It had a rollerball applicator. I fiddled with my bangs. I sprayed Aquanet hairspray on them before the dance, and that stuff held like glue, so my bangs were standing steady at about three inches tall. I was hoping the lip gloss and the hairspray made me look beautiful. Andrew was wearing gray parachute pants and a black polo shirt with the collar popped up. He said to the space in front of him, I don't want to dance. Oh, okay, I said. That was confusing because I thought we were supposed to maybe kind of sort of start going out. I adjusted my shoulder pads. It was hard to keep them from slipping because they were really big. See ya, he said. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, see ya. I watched Andrew move across the dance floor. He started talking to Maggie O'Connor? And then he grabbed Maggie's hand and pulled her onto the dance floor. The music got slower and he put his hands on her hips. And then I felt really dumb, because hands on hips meant a couple is more than maybe kind of sort of going out. They were totally going out. (laughs) I looked at Deanna, then Kelly. Everyone paired up, rocking from one leg to another. I was just standing there watching. 
And I did that for another three songs until I realized what a loser I looked like. And finally, I turned around and left. At home after the dance, I sat on one of our kitchen chairs. I was drinking hot chocolate, and my mom was standing behind me, leaning against the sink. I was telling her about kissing stick lip gloss and Aquanet hairspray and shoulder pads. And she said, but how was the dance, honey? And I burst out crying. My mom pulled up a chair so that when she sat down, our knees were touching. She pulled my hands into hers. What happened, sweetie? I stared at her knees. Nobody asked me to dance. They will someday, baby, she told me. When, mom? <sighs> Everyone else got asked but me. And then I just stood there and watched like a loser. My mom didn't say anything. I'm a loser, mom. My mom sat up straight and looked me directly in the eyes. Her face lost its softness. No, she said. Other people do not get to decide that for you. I sat up straight, like my mom. She said, you are the one who decides what happens in your life. I pulled my shoulders back. As my mom talked, I looked over her shoulder and imagined an endless staircase climbing through my ceiling and into the clouds. I had this weird feeling that at the top of that staircase, something magical was waiting. Something in my mom's tone told me that I should go and get it. I spent the next couple of decades bounding gracefully up that staircase. And by bounding gracefully, I mean, I eventually traded the lip gloss for expensive lipstick the sky-high bangs for conditioned flat-ironed hair, and the shoulder pads for tight t-shirts and slinky jeans. And then last year, I was at this loft party for New Year's. To look at me, you would have thought I was cool. I wore three-inch heels, skinny rocker jeans, and a t-shirt with sequins. I was at the party with two of my friends, Lisa, my roommate, who had a tattoo of a tree down the length of her back, which she showed off with a backless dress, and Kara, my best friend, who had the most amazing hip-length blonde dreads. There was a crowd on the dance floor, and they looked like a huge container of Jiffy Pop. I swept my eyes around the room and counted the number of guys I wouldn't talk to. A DJ was playing, except he wasn't playing, he was spinning. And I knew this because I knew him, and there was a lingo, and I pretended I knew it. My face was made up in expensive makeup. I looked like the idealized version of myself. I was not the idealized version of myself. Tony walked over to us. I used to work with him at this shitty office job downtown. Tony was smart and funny and so comfortable in his own skin, it seemed like he floated when he walked. I always fantasized about taking his clothes off. Except the fantasy always ended abruptly because whenever I'd get to the best part, I'd suddenly see a flashing neon sign over his head that would remind me that I was a loser standing on the sidelines watching other people dance. And needless to say, that always killed the fantasy. Tony had on Levi's, though, which hung from his hips in that way that always makes me think whoever designed Levi's for guys should win the Nobel Peace Prize. I chugged my beer. That was a mistake because then I had nothing to do with my hands. <laughs> Tony stood next to me, and we faced the dance floor. Our shoulders were touching. 
How's that story you're working on, he said. I watched him out of the corner of my eye. Fine. I couldn't remember which story he was talking about. I was working on three at the time, and then it suddenly occurred to me that I probably babbled to him about one of them, like I always did whenever I was trying to work something out. And did I babble to him about that ghost story I was trying to write? Man, that story was not ready to be talked about. Shit, did I trap him at a party and babble? God, I hate it when I babble. Um, how are things with you? I started picking the edge of my plastic cup. Good. Oh. So you wanna... I was staring at the dance floor, and when I heard his voice go up, but not finish the sentence, I turned to look at him. Smoke out? I didn't have any weed on me, and I was really mad because I knew I should have taken some with me, but Kara said, no, then all you'll do is sit on the couch with stony bike messengers and get high, and you'll never talk to anybody new. Like, don't listen to Kara, okay? Tony said, no, and nodded his head at the popcorn people on the dance floor. Dance. I put my hand on my hip, except I misjudged the distance and hit the top of my thigh instead. I said, I'm getting beer, you want some? I could tell he was about to say something, so quickly I said, right, you have some. I marched across the floor and over to the keg. I was confused. I mean, why would Tony want to dance with me? I looked around the room. There were a lot of very beautiful people there. When I blinked, I could see behind my eyelids a neon sign announcing my loserness. I got in line for the beer. On the couch, adjacent to the line, sure enough, stony bike messengers. In front of me, drunk girls stumbled into each other. There was a tall dude standing next to me, but when I turned to look at him, I didn't see him. I saw my staircase climbing through the ceiling and into the clouds. And then something in the room shifted. The words my mom said to me when I was 14 flew into my head and I got it. Not what she said, but what she meant. The neon sign with the loser message behind my eyelids, it disappeared. I said to the staircase, what the fuck am I doing? The tall dude said, I'm waiting for beer. (laughs) I slipped out of line. As I turned to face the dance floor, my hips caught the light and it splattered a kaleidoscope pattern over the room. The popcorn people moved slightly so a path opened up and I floated across. Tony was standing in the same place I had left him only moments before. He was looking towards the line for the keg leaning to the side like he was looking for someone. When I caught his eye, he smiled. I smiled back. That was Kim Morris. If her story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. 
Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and our inaugural monthly performance series at the Morse Land on December 16th, or one of our upcoming special events. This December 31st, join us at Red Kiva to celebrate the new year and at Maxim's on December 10th for What's New and What's Next in Chicago Publishing, hosted by the Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs. Visit our website for more details. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I am Shannon Sullivan. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at storiesandwine.com. Second Story.